Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We're coming at you Thursday night before the biggest card maybe ever, UFC 280. There's Danny. Danny went black for a second. He's back. What's up, Dan? How we doing? What up? What up? We're hanging in there. What about you, Kobe? How are we feeling? So excited for this weekend. So for any of our regular listeners, they can already probably hear my voice that I am in shambles. I've been pretty sick this week. Got not, that COVID. Not the vid, just whatever the heck's going around. But to uh, save all your ears, you're not going to hear a ton of me. Definitely more on the on the dank wager side. So let's start with a quick recap. And I mean quick. Uh, Grasso Rujo happened last week. I'm only going to make notes, and then if, if, if somehow my notes are not the bonus winners, then Country Club will chime in. So Pete Rodriguez finished Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson, we better hopefully for his safety never see him again. Um, so Ta- Tatsu- Tatsuro Tiara actually ended up armbarring C.J. Begar, which I did not see coming. Impressive win for him, remains undefeated. 50K there. 50K there, 50K well-deserved. Yo, Anderson Brito is just an absolute wrecking ball. And every second of every day, I get more and more sad that he dropped that fight to Bill Aljo that Dan and I had. I think that might be our only ankle lock loss, or at least from last season. Was that last season? I, I, I did it must have been last season. Our only loss this one was Bruno Silva. Oh, yeah. Okay. But he he's just a monster on the feet and on on – the bag, it's ridiculous. It's truly ridiculous. Um, but Lucas Alexander, I think, shows promise. Did Brito get money? Nope. Wow, that's some cheese. Uh, Malcoon held off Maximov, as per, as we all predicted. I know Danny and I were both on that side. Um, Shouts out to Orion Cozy. I, I hope you didn't lose too much money on that. He probably did. Uh, Mana Martinez split decision over Brennan Davis. So, Dan, I'm going to give you the floor for this one because you were on it the whole way. Yeah, you know, it was a lot closer than I wanted it to be. I'm not going to lie, but the Mana Martinez side was the side. He had the two knockdowns. Um, he definitely was the better striker. But where was stamina Mana Martinez? Like, that was the guy that we were betting on. That he was Yeah, that third round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that is a really good question, Kobe, because I don't know. Mana's actually, like, with all respects to that team and Mana, like, I don't ever plan on backing him again is all that's I, he's kind of a guy that can feast on some cheese a little bit, a little bit. He, he's one of those guys that like Brandon said, Davis split decision. did your heart drop at all? A little bit when they read, when they read Brent, Brendan Davis, I didn't think he won that fight at all. I, I, I thought it wasn't a good Mont Martinez performance, but I didn't think it was split. I don't disagree with you. I was a little shocked when they said split in the first place. Lonzo Manyfield just dismantles Misha Serkinov. And Dan, finally, finally, Misha Serkinov will probably sail off into the sunset and we can be we can be done with this 
this garbage that is makes no sense. I still can't believe Jimmy Crute lost to this man, but Manyfield, I mean, he's on a little bit of a run now. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't want to fight one knockout guy. or one his one decision to William Knight. I wouldn't want to fight this guy. He's a menace. He's as athletic as they come, and that's something we kind of already knew. I don't know if it taught me anything about Fortis, which is like the mm. biggest thing about Fortis that I've always been like. I, I, I not. I don't want to say I've always we've, been we've on been this simply, or something. We've been, yeah, we've been lukewarm. We've been whatever. We've been fans of Fortis. It seems like they have a roster of really athletic dudes that love to fight, and Saif Saud is a good game planner. But like, what did I learn? I not. I don't know. Like you said, I don't want to fight him. I'm not sitting here saying he's high level. Yeah, I like. I, we cannot emphasize that enough, Alonzo. If you're listening, we do not want to fight you. You look great, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Misha. I think Misha's off into the sunset. I, and I want to see Alonzo. Honestly, Alonzo, if you're listening, take it up with Justin. That don't take it up with me. Take it up with Justin. Who the fuck's Justin? It. He'll know. He'll know. <laughs> Alonzo, um, but yeah, so so Misha, hopefully in the sunset. I want to see Alonzo, especially because he's on the wrong side of thirties, closer to thirty-five, if not already. Let's let's kind of fast track this kid a little bit. Dan, one old guy came through the old gut feeling we had, and that is Rafael Sunsau. However, it broke one of my lays. Victor Henry looked as bad as we thought, and this is a lesson that we keep learning. It's you sometimes there's opportunities in this game where someone who's not great is fighting another person who's either past their prime or not great. And the line is huge. Do not ever lay, even if, even if he's better, just don't lay the minus 300 on someone who's trash. And we learned that the hard way sharps were all over it. It went from 300 to like four ten, And it's doesn't matter. Trash is trash. He, Henry dropped from what 15 in tapology to 20 only. Really? Man. Only 20? Yeah. So I I, I remember I, us going through that list and being like, this is weird. Look at all these guys behind him. Are there still just like a ton of names behind him? Yeah, there are. What about this? Casey Kenny behind him. Honey Barcelos. What about this? New conspiracy. New new conspiracy theory. Victor Henry, part owner of Tapology. Thoughts. He, Spot the lot. Maybe. Douglas okay. Silva and So ankle lock, Dusko Todorovic wins in in horrifying but exciting fashion. First round, 10-8, Jordan Wright, I think, honestly, or damn close. I, I, I don't know what the actual scorecards were. I, I hesitate to say it, but it was not a good Dusko round. But what we We knew he would be tough. But what we thought was always going to happen was Jordan Wright was either going to finish him in two seconds, which wasn't going to happen, or gas out. And gas out he did, and Dusko prevailed. Even though Dusko was on his – he was burning fumes too. Um, but he, he ended up getting the KOT, KO second round. And, Kobe, I'm actually going to kick it over to you because there's some, there's some mix-up going on in that ankle lock of the week challenge game. Yeah, Let's start here real quick. Fight of the night in this one, actually. Dusko and Jordan Wright both get 50K. Okay. Um, so, yes, ankle lock, lock of the night. Um, Dusko minus 191. We moved to 11 and 1 with another win. That's oh, wow. good enough for drum roll, please. First place in lock of the night challenge. Um, we are five units ahead of second place. 
17 units ahead of third place and 20 plus ahead of fourth place. And we have no interest in slowing down. And if you follow along with us as we applore, and I know we get new listeners, we continue to bag, you're making money too. And it's a great day to be an ankle picker. I mean, that's really all there is to say about it. But so, yeah, anyways, long story short, very happy to be back in the, in the win column. And by back, I mean, it's continuous, but to be in the one spot that we deserve. Um, Jonathan Martinez. Top of the table. Jonathan Martinez, like kick KOT, KO Cup Swanson. Dan, you want to add anything? I know you were. A, a, I, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the Cub would be a little bit more live of a dog, but man, those, those Martinez kicks are not to be looked past. And then Alexa Martinez. Okay. And that was last bonus. Yep. Last bonus. And then Alexa Grasso, Vivian Arujo. Uh, Grasso just does what Grasso does. And kind of, I don't want to say coast because I don't want to be disrespectful, but gets a unanimous decision in five rounds. Mm-hmm. And that it first was, round was all action. I love that first round. Yeah, it was great. And it wasn't, and coast wouldn't be a fair word to say. Arujo got hers, but Grasso proved to be the victor and, and continues to be in that top five for that, for that flyweight. Not a successful women's dog night. 0 for 2 with both okay. favorites winning, but uh, still up big. I'll update the numbers after the next that's good. So the only thing that really matters is system. So, okay. So that's it for Arujo. Excited and, and, and Grasso excited to put a pin in that one. And then- you know what? You know what? Our, our, our system isn't always going to be great. It sometimes is going to take a punch in the mouth. Reminds me of our sponsor for today's episode, Malort. Tastes like a punch in the mouth. It's, it's, it's actually a grapefruit liqueur. I know that we talk a whole lot about it, but um, they're, they're bringing our episodes to you. They're uh, sponsoring our content from the beginning. And um, I mean, we could not be more grateful. It's, it's my first go-to when I'm at, whenever I'm at the bar and I find anyone that's like, you know how we always talk about, we'll talk about some, some AJ Dobson in a second. We, we talked last, last week about Dusko kind of having his chin up in the air and kind of asking for it. You can find those people out at the bar that are, that are just asking to be knocked out by a shot of a water. You know, you know, them when you see him, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a great food liqueur based on Chicago, Illinois aroma and full body flavor of an unusual botanical. Try it straight. Take a shot and show off your Malort face. Its bitter taste is savored by two-fisted drinkers and two-fisted gamblers, too. So, shouts out Malort. Unusual botanicals is correct. Oh, I love it. And, and it's funny, too, because some people, so it, they get memed on for being this bad-tasting liqueur. But what's so funny is some people have a taste aversion that think it's the world's greatest drink ever, which it is. And, but I mean, it I, is the world's greatest drink. It is, but I, I'll go to like a uh, Benny's, and I remember I was like, "Hey, you got Malort? I was looking to send you two bottles," and uh, he was like, "Oh, Malort's the best. Follow me," and just brought me right there because he 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 goes, "It's my go-to drink of choice." Also, a Chicago and trick, and you'll only learn this here. Um, Malort is very good for upset stomach. So if you you know you've been <laughs> drinking a little too much, you might have you know booted and rallied a little bit, and your your, your stomach's a little turned, but you're looking to still get a little bit turned. Pop back two or three shots of Malorty. Your stomach feels gold, but the party keeps on going. So good stuff there out of Jepson's. All right, now let's get to news and notes because my throat hurts. Attaboy, Kobe. <laughs> take, take, take the reins. If that's not a transition, I don't know what is. 
Um, no more betting on the UFC for fighters. That was the big announcement of the week. We have, what, a player's conduct update, and we're no longer going to be seeing the fighters being able to bet on themselves on over-unders. Uh, nothing specifically stated about coaches. So I know that we've seen some coaches try to get action on there. Uh, shout out James Krause. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll just open the floor up to you guys. Anything takeaways there? I like it and I don't like it. Um, I like it because I've always wondered why the UFC or MMA in general was the one sport that was so okay with this. But on the other side, I don't get why if someone was going to bet on themselves, especially with the problem over fighter pay, I don't know why that would be an issue. Like, for example, if, if Mohamed Makayev wants to put money on himself this week, he's only going to be getting paid 15K because he's a, a youngin. He wants to put the 15K on him. I, I don't get – as long as it's on okay, him. You're, you're right in sentiment, but there's wrinkles to that that become, like, the reason why you can't gamble on every other sport. It's because if he takes himself first-round knockout, then he's selling out for first-round knockout. Right. Like, there's wrinkles. If, you, if he says second-round knockout, then he's not takes going the over. round. Fight yeah. starts round two. Right. Then there's too it. many wrinkles to it. It's never made sense that it was legal in my eyes, but it was kind of a cool wrinkle, I guess. But no one's – like, I don't know. The guys that want to bet on themselves are still going to find a way to have somebody put a bet on them themselves. Yes and no. If it risks your entire career. I mean, I guess the question is, what's, what is this punishment going to be? I mean, ha have they outlined it or are we just going to need to see it? I heard they brought in outside counsel from Calvin Ridley to figure out the punishment. Oh, God, poor Calvin. Yeah, he cost me so many leagues. I'm done with that clown. Um, okay, well, that's – I mean, that's worth noting. Um for sure, especially because of what we are. What else we got, boys? Jack Shore, no longer a bantamweight. He announced on Instagram he's moving up to Feather. Mm. And he's a guy who, I mean, without really any evidence behind it, we've kind of all thought those weight cuts were really brutal on him and, and, and had to have affected his performance. I think that we'll see a lot better version of Jack at uh, 145. And I agree. However, what do you think? How do you think it's going to affect his style? Because he's one of those guys who's grapple first all day. 45ers are much harder to get down. They got a much thicker base. I mean, it's a lot easier to grapple with a, I mean, I guess at the upper echelon, the Ricky Simones and Murad Davalashvili's are hard, but think about the guys at 45, like trying to drag down a guy like, like, honestly, like Calvin Cater is a great example. He's a guy who's a striker and sure would have a good path to victory, but Cater's so much bigger than the people he's used to grappling. I think the grappling pedigree at 135, like you just said there, is, is just that it much is, higher. I think that Jack Shore is going to have some great success. I, Ricky Simone, like, is as tough as they come. Yeah. But um, he is. He is. Nonetheless, uh, a guy rooting to get back on track. Um. We had some kind of questionable news on it on Twitter today. Bobby Green was removed from the ranking pool, but not cut. He's kind of just serving a suspension from, from USADA. So yep. still part of the UFC. Just wanted to clarify that. Kind of no news is good news there. Um, let's go on to fight announcements. November 19th, just a month from now, my boy Jack Della Maddalena has got a fight. Finally, somebody's in there. Danny Roberts. How high yeah. is he that number? Uh, I'm, I'm, get, I'm expecting a 300 
three, two eight. Like that's bettable. Maybe I was bigger. Kind of expecting higher. Really, uh, Danny Roberts. I know he's put on horrible performances, but he's not like a minus four hundred clip guy. You know what I mean? It's or also hard to set. It, it it's also just hard to set a line um, for strikers that that is like minus four five hundred. It's there's a lot of variance. It's weird. Yes, there is. Um, we have officially, I know that we've talked about this in the past, but it's officially announced in the last week, Yuri versus Glover at UFC 282. That's December 10th. That'll be for the light heavyweight strap. The true headline that makes me absolutely love Yuri. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't even mention this. That. Dude's a fucking beast. Psychopath. No, beast. No, psychopath. I love. I mean, I'm. I'm. In, I love. Well, let, let, let's say the news. He spent what 72 hours in a without food in a dark room just to try to Correct. to confront demons. Legend. I mean, that's like straight out of Stephen Peel. Legend. And, and and I love the psychos because psychos are what get it done. Like the guy. Like honestly, Tony Ferguson. I know he's fallen on hard times, but back in the day, it's like when he was on his 15 fight win streak or whatever. People are like, "Why are you backing Tony again?" And it's because he's truly a so- sociopath. And I love so. This is this is sidebar here. This is about a year back when we were talking about we did the episode on futures, who's going to hold gold at each division at the end of this calendar year. Yeah. My whole argument for Yuri was I think there's only going to be one light heavyweight strap fight in this year, and now we get one in the second in the last pay per view, the second to last fight card of the year. Like I. I I was so close to being right about there only being one fight and being able to bet Yuri at like a plus 240 number for only one fight. But alas, 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 here we sit. We're going to have to go 2 0 this year for that one to pay off. Which, speaking of that, what, there's, there's probably some good commentary in that episode about a guy, Islam Makachev. We'll get there. I, I, I mentioned to Reese, I think maybe even pre show. A week or two ago, but let's we're gonna have we're gonna have a recap of that episode. That's also next year's episode. Come you know the the month that we have off between December and January. Right on. Um, keeping it moving here. Lauren Murphy versus Jessica Andrade announced for UFC 283. That's January 21st in Rio for Andrade. In how Rio. how much and how quick can I bet on Jessica? What he said. Yeah, we've seen Lauren Murphy in these. Not yeah. only that, but but like you know, we always talk about others' levels to this, and it's like you saw Andrade against Shevchenko, and you realize there's a level there. Andrade is that is that level for everybody else. Kobe, it's I don't know if you have it. By the way, I don't know if you have it in front of you, Kobe. What was the injury or issue that had Andrade out of this fight? That's supposed to be this weekend against Poirot. Ooh, uh, I don't know, but like, yeah, I don't know. Don't look at me. It could. I'm pretty sure that that was the initial fight schedule. Correct. I think you're right. Um, cancel about. Oh, I don't know. I just see Andrade injury. I'm looking at Tapology. We'll we'll get the stats department on that one. Oh, because it was initially UFC Paris. So Andrade forced out due to medical issues is the article that I have. So it's from I Paris. Yeah, from the Paris card that eventually got moved in to September. Card. Yeah. Got it. And then, then it got rescheduled to here. Wait, and then Poirot got rescheduled to here, but Andrade. Chukagian stepped up for the Paris card and that got moved to this card. Got it. Sorry. All right. No problem. Never apologize. Um, we're into 
February now. February 4th, we got announced that UFC Fight Night, the week prior to UFC 284 in Australia, is going to be Fight Night Seal Seoul, South Korea. Uh, I just sound like a jackass seal. Seoul, yeah, South Korea. Did, but I didn't want to call you out. Um, and a couple fights announced on that one, too. We have Dong Jung and Devin Clark. That'll likely be the co-main. We have Ji Young Kim against Mandy Bohm. And then we're expecting the headliner to be TKZ with an opponent not announced yet. When is this? February 4th, the week before UFC 284. So there's a fight night? Fight night card, yeah. Wow. Sorry, real quick. Back injury is what I'm seeing from, from Sure Dog. That is the that is the most information I can get about Jessica and Andrash. Li- even our listeners stopped caring, Dan. <laughs> Dan's the only <laughs> one who cares about Andrash's whole injury. I got one I'm you sad. I got I'm one holding on to that Mojo autograph and draws card. You know I'm Dude, all keyed in on her. Sky's <laughs> the limit, baby. That thing's a first edition. I have a fight announcement that Reese cares about. Marab the Volishvili is taking on Aljamain Sterling at U. No, what is it? <laughs> Bobby Knox, Robert Whitaker, and Paula Costa at UFC 284, Perth, Australia. We kind of called it that he was going to be Dude, in that. Stop giving Bobby these chumps. Every person, me, Danny. <laughs> You're no. going to get a good line on Whitaker in this one. No, I'm not. Against Costa? Whitaker's going to smoke that fool. We I know it. You're going to get a good line. I'm going to get a good line. I bet you Whitaker's going to be minus more than 200. No. I don't know. I think that's a little steep, Reese. Nah. You think Costa's more dangerous than, like, Cannoneer? It's going gonna, it's gonna to hover yeah. right at that 200. Costa's Mark, got this social presence. Costa got that, that Marvin public. Vittori beat Costa. Whitaker styled on Vittori by the transitive property. Whitaker's going to shit on Costa. You know that's not how this works. And all people like, exactly how it works. in mind is Paula Costa looking pretty good against Luke Rockhold, who's another like. He did not look good against Luke Rockhold. I know, and I'm not, not good like, against Luke Rockhold. You're going to get a you good. Guys number are all there. clowns. Set you the spread. Luke Rockhold. You're going to get a good number there. Luke. Hawk. Um. All right. Let's get to the nitty gritty. We have. Some exciting fights. Wait, this week. when can we take Kobe? We you still need to build that bot out of code that scapes that scrapes when opening lines open, so we can take it. I'm waiting on that. The reason why I say that is because Dan, what was that one women's fight against Meatball Molly? The Aaron Blanchfield. When does that drop? Because that's I, in like two weeks. That line has to be out. If we if we we need to do okay, afternoons and notes. Two eighty two. Afternoons and notes. Afternoons and notes. Kobe, can you go line fishing for that? Because yeah. And, it, and if I would, if Dan's okay with it, I would guess it now. Pin this clip later because I, I need to. I need to smash that Aaron Blanchfield. All right. I don't know. In the meantime, I, not not to get away from it, but we'll talk about it a little bit when we get to this uh, O'Malley fight. There's some weird line movement with the public liking some public figures and not some public fighters. But who's the public? We'll talk about that on. Oh right, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Whatever. Right, 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 right. Um, well, while you mention that fight. We had Dana confirm earlier this week that the winner of that Sean O'Malley Piotr Jan fight is going to get the next title shot versus the winner of Aljo and TJ. He didn't need to confirm shit for me. It's going to Where's be Piotr and he's going to get his strap back. Where the fuck's Marab? Marab Sandhagen. Piotr's getting his strap back. Marab Sandhagen. That's what I want. Um, and then the next piece of news from that same interview Volk gets the next lightweight title shot confirmed against the winner of islam and chucky Owls. which by the way 
No mistake. That sucks for Chuck Yalas because he's going to lose this fight and then not be able to. I mean, I guess it's vacated, but he should still be able to defend. Well, yeah, that's the thing is like technically it's vacated and you have to. But that's such a fucking. Oh, that's a. No, I, I agree. With that. I agree. Well, Chuck Yalas has been such a good UFC champion. You don't need to tell us. You know who's also been as good as ever of a UFC champion is Alex Volkanovsky to the point where if you watched Embedded Episode 4, I literally just finished it before we got off here. Um, he's in Abu Dhabi training his ass off for no opponent. He's yeah, there no, as the backup fighter. He, this is the second time that he's done this, apparently. He was, he was uh, I think, in Vegas for – no, it wasn't Vegas. But for um, Edgar Holloway, he was a backup fighter without saying anything, without stirring any kind of noise. This is the second time he's gone to a no. fight night, trained his ass off with his whole team for a fight that may or may not happen, probably no. won't happen. He deserves that super fight if he's going. I agree. But, but Danny, you can't, you can't disagree with me on the fact that they need to do a better job as the UFC of making sure that double champs defend both. It's not fair for lightweight and featherweight, the two best divisions, to be held up. That's all. I, That's I, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. If you want to have a Max Holloway versus Ortega or Max Holloway versus we, we address this whoever, last give, give an interim belt to him. Yeah. An interim belt. It's fine. Right. Whatever. Okay. I, I don't okay. want to get into interim belts because then I'm going to start yelling. And then I, so let's keep going. All right. That was it for news and notes. Let's transition while we're talking about this week to this week, card of the year, card of the forever. UFC 280, Abu Dhabi, Saturday, December 22nd, December, sheesh, October 22nd, early prelims, 9 a.m. Central Time, main card, 1 p.m. Central Time, weigh-ins are like right now, this is going to go live, and wait, we're kind of midnight Central Time tonight, so the night of the 20th, 21st morning, our weigh-ins, that's exactly when this episode is going to drop. Tune in for weigh-ins. That's what we got. Or yeah, or at least just stay like alert on what the weigh-in news is. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Is that it for news and notes? That's it. We're 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 at this week. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. So partially because I'm so sick, I'm gonna give Danny. I'm gonna introduce things. Danny's gonna kind of break it down. If I disagree with Dan, you're gonna get my take. But if you wonder why this one's a little bit shorter, it's just because Dan's got enough knowledge for the both of us times two. Dan, Lena Landsberg, Carol Rosa, first prelim on the card. Taking place at 135. Carol Rosa's minus a whopping 325 plus 270 for Lena Landsberg. Line opened at 275, Carol Rosa, and has come down. My question for you, science or nothing? It's nothing for me. I mean, I, I hate to tell you that, and I hate looking at a 400 woman's favorite and thinking, wow, that's a fair price, because it never is. Um, but I, I won't be caught dead on the Lena Landsberg side. She's 40 years old. Uh, she's off a two fight losing streak and, and her two wins previous are like, mm, really not good for me. Um, I do think Carol Rose is just going to kind of walk to a decision here. The loss to Sarah McMahon doesn't really worry me. Sarah McMahon's a really elite wrestler and, um, Lena shouldn't have anything for Carol here. I, I expect just a one-sided fight, but so I do this, think the over and the decision. No finish. It's it's if you're if you're playing this, it's Rosa by decision. But I'm not playing anything else. 
So this is a bad start for what I was hoping would be mainly Danny talking, because I actually respectfully disagree with you, Dan. And I disagree with you on the fact that I think science could be a play here. And the main reason why is because although Lena Landsberg is past that, or she's at that 40 hump, I was really impressed with the PNA uh, Kianzad fight. Even though she lost it, she made it dirty, very bloody, got her elbows in. She's the elbow queen. The Sarah McMahon loss is bad, but then you can also go back one more fight or even two fights and see wins over Tanya Evinger, who was a big favorite there, and Macy Tanya is In 2019, Tanya Evinger was not Tanya Evinger. No, but she, what about Macy Chiasson? Tanya Evinger was closer to January 6th riots. What, what about what about Macy Chiasson in 2019? Either, like, been, Macy's not been good at all. Here's what, I've, here's what I'm going to say. I've been following... Lena Landsberg for a very long time. And I think that she's a live dog here. Could she lose? Yeah. Could she get smoked? Yeah. But I, I think, I think she's a live dog here. And I think this it's is, worth a sprinkle. This is most certainly the least exciting fight on this entire. I, know, I'm sorry. So I, didn't I don't want to spend too much time. Um, just want to announce or reiterate science does not come into play. If this, if this gets above minus three, that is worth noting. I'm still playing it. Only right. going where the favorites less than minus 350 is what science is technically. So, all right. Now that that crap's out of the way, this is where it starts to just run off the rails. Muhammad Makayev versus Malcolm Gordon at 125. Makayev is an unbettable whopping minus 1150. Malcolm Gordon plus 750. Uh, Makayev opened at minus 700, has seen as high as minus 1600, which is ridiculous. Um, but currently sits at 1150 on DK. Dan, my only angle here is Makayev, um, by, I like a double chance by finish or by, or by sub or by KOTKODQ. Uh, what, where's your head at on this? I think there's a, gotta be a spot to play this. No. So I, I do have a spot on, uh, on this fight. I was looking at, thought I had it written down. Sorry. I, I, got my plays written at the top of my sheet and I thought that I had it written there but um, this under one and a half line I was seeing hovering right around uh, even money and the reason I'm so drawn to it is I think that there's a little bit of recency bias being that Charles Johnson was so hard to finish and a guy like Malcolm Gordon is a guy who when I went searching his name in my past fight notes was in all caps, highlighted red, chinny, chinny, no durable, not durable. Like, this guy is not going to survive two rounds. Mikhaev, as much as he had trouble with Charles Johnson, Charles Johnson is a tough motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, that's not Malcolm Gordon here. I like, like you said, one-way traffic. Mohamed Mokhaev is a I don't really, know. really great prospect. Um I like the under one and a half. I like the inside the distance, like you said. Right. I don't so think we're, that, we're, yeah, we're rough. Because inside the distance, Dan, 250, that's like not bad. Very playable. You say plus 250? Minus 250 on DK. Okay. Compared okay. to the minus 1150, you can definitely. Yeah. Well, um, how about then, a, a even money under one and a half? He's and then just if you want to go in there and smoke him. If you also want to double chance it, and you can get, if you do think it might go to a decision, which Danny and I both don't. You can also do like sub decision minus 300, something like that. So there's ways to play this one, but don't play straight. Uh, and I don't even know if it's worth adding to your lays. 
Armin Petrosian, AJ Dobson, 185. Petrosian minus 205. Dobson plus 175. This fight's actually very interesting. Line has not moved much. Dan, go ahead. I like the Petrosian side. I think that this is the first time in his career that I've been really excited about his matchup. Um, he's a guy who we've said in the past has made the transition over just from straight traditional kickboxing. Um, and so kind of along with that, he's naturally a terrific volume and distance striker. He's got good proven professional cardio that comes with that kickboxing. Um, he's improving a ton when it comes to mix, the mixed martial artists. He's got a great get-up game as an athlete. I mean, we saw him fight Chow Barello and Gregory Rodriguez and, and not spend too much time on his back, even though he was at a severe grappling disadvantage. Um, although Dobson is, is very strong, I think he comes from like a weightlifting background. He's got big cardio problems that go along with that. And, and for me, it's just, he doesn't excel in wrestling enough to really impose any kind of stylistic threat to Armin. And I think that Armin's going to be able to land a lot and hurt him. What's your thoughts on a potential submission uh, on the Dobson side? That was the route to victory I saw as potential. Um, Dobson got a, a good submission in, in his contender series. He's got a couple in his career. I think he's got three KOT KOs, three submissions. Um, I don't see him so much as a submission threat. I'm going to be okay, honest. Uh, I know he got the rear naked in his contender series. Um, I, I just don't really think he's going to, to be honest, I don't think he's going to spend too much time on the ground. Armin's yeah. shown that well, his well, get up well, game is well. good and his takedown defense is improving. And so I, I think that he's, he's learned at this point, let's not spend my ass. Let's not, get on the mat and then I'll be okay. I don't do, Yeah. I thought it was good. The lines plus 1200 on a sub. So if you're really drunk, you can sprinkle it. But I think Dan's probably right on that Petrosian side. Abubakar Nurmagomedov. Although I know everyone's going to think this is going to be a wrestle fuck match. It's actually not a, a striker in his own right against Godzai Omar, Omar Godzaev. And I've said it a million times. I know this prospect still fucks me up. Omar Godzaev. And honestly, Godzi is the bigger wrestling threat for me, even even though he's... No, he, like, I agree with you. Uh, Abubakar sits at minus 165. Godzi plus 140. Uh, Abubakar opened at minus 180, and, and, is, and it was flat. But really recently, um, as of December se- or October 17th, is when it really started to take off and move in the other direction. So um, just a couple days ago now. It's hard because, I mean, you talk about the Nurmagomedov clan, uh, Khabib, Usman, Umar, uh, Abubakar, obviously, who we're talking about. I don't know if I'm forgetting anything, but there's something like 103 and one. And it's because Abubakar is 16, 3 and 1. And all the others are like 29 and 0, 20 and 0, 18 and 0, 19 and 0. He's the only one of the entire clan that has a loss and a draw. And he's got three losses and a draw. So that, that'll show you kind of his separation from, from what that last name really means in this sport. And I do think that inherently there's some overvaluing on his last name so i i'm, I'm gonna pass on this fight i do think he's going to win the fight 
I'm a I'm not a huge Godsey fan. I thought he was super undersized for middleweight down at welterweight. I think he's gonna be a little bit better, but it's not like I think he's elite by any means. Um, I think Abubakar. Did I drop? Did I drop out? No, no, no. You're good. I was saying I I see it very similarly. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No worries. No worries. I, I we're all good. But yeah, I, I don't see myself being on either side of this. It's a kind of a wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole for me, but I, yeah, Abubakar has been so inconsistent. I cannot put my money behind him besides his last name, although I would put too much money behind any of his cousins or brothers. I love all of it. Um, I also am curious to see what Godsey looks like at. 70 on the scales which i know we were just talking about weigh-ins but that's a big aspect before you place a bet here i think he looks so comfortable he looked terrible i know he looked horrible yeah he looked bad he was just undersized and and Mm -hmm. and a lot of like figuring out your place in the mma world is figuring out where your exact weight class is i mean it took rda fucking forever look at a guy like dan hooker yeah or or gilbert burns on the other end of that getting knocked out by dan hooker I don't even know. Seriously, it's fucked. It's weird because you would think that size would matter if you go down, but if you go down too far, you sacrifice a bunch. If you go up too much, it's, it's a wild aspect to a a sport that's already complex as shit. So buyer took the golf. Shouts out Poha Burns though. Poha. I love Gilbert. Uh, So buyer took a golf versus Lucas Almeida at 145. Um, Took is minus 165, Almeida plus 140. The line opened at Tukagov plus 130 and basically just flopped on its head and then ran even farther. Um, a lot of the line movement, though, Dan, happened instantaneously. So it opened on the 21st, and by the 23rd, it already flipped on its head. So um, Sharps hit this hard on the Tukagov side and has plateaued since. And Tukagov has been a guy I am, I've been all over for a couple of years. Um, that being said, he hasn't looked really, really that incredible. Uh, the split decision versus Laurel Murphy, Murphy was awesome. Kevin Aguilar dismantling. Um, but then the split decision of Kim Dowdy, I did think he won that fight, but that was not the performance I expected. And, and they didn't follow it up so much with a better or a beat the brace off Ricardo Ramos. He is out of that Khabib camp. Um, he's not like a, a born Dagestani. I think he's Chechen and, and whatever um, is training with them now. So he's a, a little bit of a transplant. He's not so much like Islam or, or like any of the Nurmagomedov clan where they grew up from like age two training with Abdul Manap wrestling bears and whatnot. But he is part of that camp. Um, to me, he's not like as of what I was just kind of getting to. He's not the cream of the crop when it comes to wrestling there. He never really has been. Um, he's definitely the better mixed martial artist than Lucas Almeida when it comes to really putting everything together. But he's been inconsistent. He's had bad output at times. Um, I do think that Almeida is going to try and bring it to him. Almeida is a power puncher. He's got decent combos. He's, he's going to look for Tukugov's chin. And I think Tukugov's going to, it's going to take all he's got to win that three round, all 15 minutes. I don't think either guy's going to get the finish. I like the over if, if it's decent amounts or if it's a decent number. Um, 
Tuku Golf's been a guy that I've been all over, and I'm staying away from. Is what I'm trying to get at. So the over is two and a half minus one ninety five, which is pretty yeah. whopping. Fico's I won't touch him. Fico's decision is minus one fifty. Vegas is in alignment with me there. It should hit the scorecards. I do think Tukugov is going to be the more impressive fighter over 15 minutes just because he has more tools in the tool belt, but it's not a line I'm excited to play. Yeah. If you have a strong feeling on one of these two for the listeners, take a look at that by decision, see if there's value there as opposed to the regular line. Vulcan Ozdemir, Nikita Krylov, very, very, very interesting fight here. 175 in favor of Krylov plus 150 for Vulcan Ozdemir. Um, not a lot of line movement, Dan. Opened at 188. This is one that I've had a really tough time with. And I, I ultimately came up with a pass, which is very unexciting. But um, the reason I had so much time with it is because the eye test and what I was seeing on paper were so different. And what I mean by that is you look at Nikita Krylov, and he's a guy who went out and beat Magomed Ankalaev in that first round. Both striking and grappling looked absolutely phenomenal. Uh, debatably beat Glover Teixeira as well. And has gone out since. And, and like you look at both of their Paul Craig fights, I'm more impressed by the Krylov one, even though he lost and Ankalaev won. Krylov was like, basketball bouncing off the mat his head and he was waking him up with some and then ended up getting caught on paper I th- or not on paper on the eye test Krylov to me looks like the way more dangerous way better fighter at this point in their careers looks elite while Vulcan who is coming from a kickboxing background is a good striker um has been spending his last like three full fights everything since the Jerry Prohaska fight working on takedown defense for the Magomed Ankalaya fight and then for the Paul Craig fight. And you saw his refusal, refusal to go to the mat uh, with Paul Craig, which ended up getting him the win that Krylov couldn't do. And on paper, you look at his, his takedown defense and it's some of the best in the UFC. It's something like 85% or I, I mean, I'm making that number up, but I was looking at it earlier and it was higher than I expected is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a situation where I think that Krylov is the way more complete martial artist, the way more dangerous fighter, has way more tools in his tool belt. But if Vulcan can stuff the takedowns, Vulcan's the better striker. And so, if, it, if it becomes that simple, it's Vulcan's fight. See, it's interesting because I, I don't want to give the edge to Krylov on the feet. Vulcan's phenomenal on the feet. But I think that Krylov is not that far behind if not on par. And I think that Krylov's versatility makes him dangerous. Um, and I think that if Krylov's in a situation where he can't get subbed, I think he fares okay. Um, I kind of like the over, Dan. Over one and a half minus uh, 150. Does that sound like something that like that, I, that, yeah, like that. I, I can see that. you guys I, feeling I each see. other hot a little bit, maybe a little bit grappling. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you're gonna pick a side, it's hard. I, I'm on a pass. Do you think so? Do you think that 
any of the Gustafson results with Krylov, just him bum rushing, knowing he's levels, levels ahead of this 40-year-old Gustafson and taking him out quick, has any kind of baked – is that baked into the line? Do you think we're getting value on that over because of that? I don't think so, partially because or, – or, oh, on the over? Maybe, maybe. Um, I think people are looking past what Krylov – the cry love of old and looking at his most recent outcomes, because when you look at his UFC career, um, he Glover decision, Johnny Walker decision, Uncle Live decision. Um, but it's, I mean, he, he not to get too, out. not to get too bogged down on the cry love record, but if that Paul Craig is flipped and one of the many knockout blows that Paul Craig woke up from gets called, Krylov's only losses are Teixeira, Blahovic, and Ankoliev, three guys who are no, the number just, one, two, three in the division. Krylov is immensely talented. I cannot express that one enough. Mahmoud Muradov taking on Kyle Barrio at 185. Um, and Barrio is – where the – F is this thing. Oh, yeah. He's minus 205. Mahmoud Muradov plus 175. Lined open, Dan, at Kayo minus 200. Went steep in the opposite direction as came back. So, he had opened at minus 200, went to 270 almost instantly, and then it's just slowly teetered back to where it started um, at 205 here. I, I know that you were kind of a fan of Mahmoud, and then you just completely – sold all your shares in Mahmoud after that mirror chart, which I don't disagree with. It was really bad. Um, but he, and he takes on one of, I know Kobe's favorite fighters and Kyle Barrio. Um, what's your thoughts here? This is a tough one for me. I'm going to be honest. And it should be easier the way that you laid it out. There are probably some lingering stocks or some lingering brain cells that still think Mahmoud Muradov uh, has a lot of talent. And the funny thing is, the way you said it, I do think that if we're getting a mock mood off of just a super long layoff, had he not taken the GM3 fight, it's probably pretty close to even. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. Yeah, I really don't. Maybe, I, maybe even mock mood is, is a favorite. And mock mood didn't win that first round. Yeah, it's definitely closer to even. But – the thing that bothers me, and I'm curious if you see it similarly, is I don't think Mahmoud's ever faced anyone close to the to as dangerous and aggressive as Kayo. Definitely um, not. Like Andrew Sanchez is it's not a bad win by any means. Um, but I mean it's it's he's not on the on the levels of Kayo. And then you look at Trevor Smith, that's nothing to me. To Kiriko, no big deal at all either. And so there's some inactivity here. And then there's also a, a resume gap, but at, at plus 200, you can say the same thing on the flip side where Kyle was on contender series. Didn't do enough. Gets another shot at contender series does enough. Um, but again, he's facing a contender series guy. And then he comes in faced a horrible looking Godzi and then Petrosian. Way undersized. Right. Petrosian who was handpicked, who has no grappling skills. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And so I, I, I wonder if the line is justifiable. And it goes back to your um, 
what was it? I'm I'm blanking now. Who who fought uh Sun Sal last week? Victor Henry. Oh, Victor Henry. Yeah. It goes back to your Victor Henry point. Of we know that we're excited about Chow Barello. He's very he's a very great, super smart fighter, decent karate striker, um, great jits, great back takes. We we know there's a lot to be excited about. But he is green. And, and he hasn't faced the, a guy like Murdov the same way that Murdov hasn't faced a guy like him. And I think that the lines should be closer to even. I really do. I'm not playing Murdov at this point in time. I'm struggling not to play him. I, I really think that he could shut up a lot of people and that if a three-minute stretch of his life goes different, he's a favorite. This, this makes me so happy because – I also wanted to find myself on Muradov, and I thought you were gonna just absolutely shut me up on it. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big Ohio fan. I'm a, I'm a yeah, me too. Big. It there's a lot of times where you got prospect versus prospect, and it should be line so, and this is line as a, I, I've made it and you haven't. Look at my two wins versus lackluster competition. Yep, very accurate. Prelim main event here, and this is ridiculous. This is a fight night header every single time. Bilal Muhammad taking on Sean Brady, the undefeated. Four versus 10. Props to Bilal, no matter how this outcome is, for signing the dot here, too. He has not much to gain. Four versus 10, a lot to lose. He's a dog for taking this. Um, if you have a conviction on either side, I suggest you play it. The line is close. Uh, Sean Brady minus 140, Bilal Muhammad plus 120. Sean Brady opened at plus 190. Bilal Muhammad minus 225 and has just been smashed. So there's no value left or no juice to be squeezed. Here's the thing, Dan. I think that the way this fight plays out, we've said this before, is if you are on the side of Bilal and he wins, you can go back and be like, look, I got him at plus 120 here. People are going to be like, oh, my God. But if you're on the Sean side of Sean Brady and he wins, you can say the same thing. Oh my, look at that. I got him at 140. Like, can you believe that? The question is, which side's right? Because it, it before, without hindsight being 2020, it was a really hard fight to pick. Um, but both of these guys never see these types of lines. Uh, you never see Brady at my, only minus 140. And you, you, I mean, see below where he's at with his most recent performances. Outside of his fight with Leon, you're not going to see him plus 120 either. Um, so where where do you f- find yourself? Because this is a tough one. So this actually brings me to my first bet of the night. Okay. And it, it like you said, I don't think I got the best value in terms of where the line has moved, where it opened, and, and where I'm, I'm throwing my pin in. But I've actually, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've got something around 15 units of bets uh, upcoming on, on, the, on the next couple of fights. And this is the beginning. I've got one and a half unit on Bilal Muhammad plus 120. Okay. And like you said, he's not the most athletic. He doesn't have the most, he doesn't have flashy power. Um, he's not some crazy dynamic striker. But he has shown us that his ability to game plan and his ability to put himself in positions to win constantly and and at all points in his fight is almost second to none. He's adapted this 
weaponizing cardio strategy that we've seen work really, really well at welterweight. I mean, we talk about Colby and Kamaru all the fucking time as, as the gold standard where the bar is set. They weaponize their cardio. They weaponize their wrestling. What has Bilal Muhammad come out and done? Obviously, that's going to be way harder against a guy like Sean Brady, who is as good of a grappler as anyone maybe in this division on paper. Um. I just think Bilal is a much more complete martial artist. I think that if we're in a matchup where both guys have cardio for days, and I'm not sure that Sean Brady has cardio for days. I know that Bilal Muhammad does. And we're stuck in a position where they're on their feet. Bilal Muhammad's the guy on the feet that I want. Bilal Muhammad's the cardio edge that I want. Bilal Muhammad has taken this fight so seriously. Everyone who's like out of town guys, obviously the Dagestani team and, and all who everyone who's already on that side of the world is there. Everyone else has gotten there maybe four, five, six days ago. Blah Muhammad's been there for 35 days. He joined Team Khabib. He's got Khabib in his corner. He said, huh, welterweights that are short, stocky, and have crazy pressure wrestling. Who can prepare me for that? There aren't a ton of short, no, stocky no. welterweights that you can just call on that are just maybe available, that maybe are training guys for this fight. What about a guy, a UFC Hall of Famer and Habib Nurmagomedov? I mean, he's done everything he possibly can to set himself up as to be successful in this fight. The problem really, is, does it matter? I mean, is, you know, it, is, it might not is that that cool. Enzo Gracie Philly gym. We talk a whole lot about it. It gets yeah. me excited yeah. even just mentioning it. They're doing some unbelievable stuff. They really, really I just think I think the experience Bilal side, the cardio Bilal side, the striking Bilal side, the the optics of who's going to be on the front foot versus back foot Bilal side. I, I'm having trouble looking at a 50-50 fight at best and not taking a dog because I think that Bilal should be a favorite. He was a favorite. He was a 200 Big, favorite. That massive. And and you're basically getting a guy that Vegas believes should be minus 200. Wait, I, I misunderstood you. I thought that it I thought it opened at 200. I thought I could have gotten plus 190 on Bilal. Nope. Plus 190 on Brady. Yeah. Vegas okay. is so, with you, my friend. I'm I'm sorry, I my my introduction into that rant was wrong. But, but I'm at a last, yeah. Big Bilal Muhammad fan at this plus one ten twenty price. It's not attractive. It's not pretty. He's not gonna go out there with the spinning back kick and get you your money in 30 seconds. It's gonna be a grind. But when was the last time someone took down with ease Vicente Luque and with ease Wonder Boy? Because I've never seen it. He's showing me new stuff, and then he's going and taking this stuff seriously. Like Misa Bilal Muhammad. Yeah, I'm. I I think. I think. I'm not gonna. I don't disagree with you, but I don't agree with you. I I don't. I do think Bilal Muhammad could be a great bet. I'm not confident enough to actually place it, so I'm just staying away entirely. Side note: Really interested to see how Felder calls this fight. Having uh, being a Philly guy training with John Brady, uh, when John Brady's an amateur, but also being a Duke Rufus guy and spending a lot of time with Bilal Muhammad and being a former teammate of him, and so I'm just just curious. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It might be a my real my real question is if Sean Brady is a fight milk guy. 
He is a fight milk guy. It's the only way he can make weight. Um, Guaranteed. <laughs> so that's it for the prelims. Um, let's hit this main card. Uh, UFC 280. Kobe, can you go over times again for prelims and main card just so people don't miss out? We're on central time. Pre, early, or, I'm sorry, early prelims, 9 a.m. And that's central time again. Main card, 1 p.m. central time. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So you got it. You got, you got an earlier card. So everyone needs to be ready. Cause if you miss this, you will actually know in your coffee. Yep. A little proper 12. Proper 12. The Lord. <laughs> what are we talking about? Two fisted drinkers, the unusual botanical Malort Jepsons. Get it at your local liquor store. Buy it for a friend. Bet it on a bike. This is the main card brought to you by Jefferson's Valor. Um, Caitlin Jukakian versus Manyan Faro at 125. Caitlin Jukakian is plus 175 here. Manan minus 205. Line opened at 175, so it's kind of been beaten around a little bit. Um, I mean, stylistically, this is going to be an incredible fight. They're both so on par with each other. Um, but I, I'm passing Dan on all, and that's all. I, I mean, I, I got to pass here. I just don't see a big enough edge at that line. I, I'm with you. Um, like we like to say, experience is the currency of this fight. Chuk is as experienced as they come. She's an expert at winning rounds, uh, with her striking, with her output, with her, Forward pressure, um, you kind of have to match or out output Chukagian to have a chance against her. And I think that Poirot is very capable of that. I think that it is a little bit of a changing of the guard. We've talked about how much we respect this new uh, regime with Poirot and Blanchfield and all, all these great women coming up. And I do think that Chukagian is kind of holding on to the, to the old guard. That being said, She's she's Shukagi. Right. We're in a 15-minute woman's fight, and she's a dog. Yeah. Like it's she's hard as to... live of a dog as anyone on the card. Especially in a fight that I think for her, she's giddy about. She's loving mm-hmm. that fight. Um so right. she mentioned it this week. She said, uh, because of who I am, because of what I've done in this sport, I've been in a lot of fights where if someone beats me they're getting a title fight guaranteed. And that's not always the case for me, but she's on it. She's got herself a nice streak. She thinks that she's with a win, got a guaranteed title shot. And um, I think that that's pretty motivating. If you're a fighter, especially a fighter that's as experienced as we said, as knowledgeable, like a veteran in this game, she knows when it matters. She knows when it's big. Yes, she does. And she, couldn't draw a better opponent as far as styles go. But Benal Dariush takes on Mateus Gamrat at 155. Just a, some, I mean, I think the average Joe will has no idea how amazing of the fight this is, but if you know, you know. Uh, Mateus Gamrat minus 190, Benal Dariush plus 160. Opened at minus 155 for Gamrat. I, I think Dan... Just yesterday, you could get 180. I just want to tell you that. I just don't know what I think because Mateos is coming off 
the Armin fight, which puts his stock as high as ever. But you have to remember that Dariush was lined up to fight Islam and was a fight away from the, from the belt and was beating up on, 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 on good opponents in Tony Ferguson, which obviously is a good opponents. Poorly and Diego Fiera, yeah. Um, I remember. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you what I remember, and particularly why I remember it is Darius pulled out of that fight. I think because he like broke his ankle or something. No, he, he, had, a injury. he had a significant was, injury. Yeah, he had to have surgery. It was fucked. Surgery on his ankle. Yeah, we have not seen him since. That's not even where my points at. Um, before that. He was a stocky guy who had surprising athleticism and power. Great grappler. Really phenomenal grappler. Was winning that uh, CDF fight because he had the back take. Was dominating Tony Ferguson on the ground. Something we do not see ever. Obviously, it's Tony Ferguson post the Gaethje fight, not Tony Ferguson pre-Gaethje fight, which is a a different Tony. Um, I'm a big Darius fan. This This is a guy I've made a lot of money backing. He's on a great win streak but he's never been on the same level. These other lightweight contenders. And I really don't, I, I really don't believe he ever has even in that uh, Holtman fight. I think he was like a minus minus one eighty favorite. We were doing this episode. Yeah. I had him, I had him as my ankle lock. And I remember sitting there in that week thinking like, Oh, Darius, like he might be past his prime. He could get tagged. Darius might not be durable. Darius is fighting one of the like, pillar holders the the flag bearers the the torch bearers of this new lightweight takeover and lightweight has always been the most talented division um in this sport, maybe 35 takeover. right it, it is a constant takeover definitely um but we've got this generation coming in of guys that are unbelievably scary really really scary guys physique armin Matouche, we're going to talk about um, Islam in a second. I mean, it's 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 really, really scary how good these guys are. And Matouche is a, is a student of the game. You hear people like Kayla Harrison talking about that. Her, you hear people like Kayla Harrison talking about him as main training partners, teaching them about leg lock defense, something he's never even shown in the octagon. Can you imagine if we just get like a Matouche leg lock master class against Dariush. It's possible. We all, we know it's possible against the best in the world. Dariush is so deadly though. I, I, I know it's possible, but it's hard to also see happening. You know, I just, I think that I'm looking at these last Dariush fights and he's relying on his takedowns. He's not going to be on top of Matush. Matush is high single leg that he was going on Armin for like, 15, 16 shots, putting that leg above his shoulder is going to put Dariush on his back a couple different times. And I just don't see a situation where Dariush lands on top and stays there because Armin couldn't. Armin shot 21 times. That's a stat I've written down in my notes. Armin shot 21 times against Matush Gamera. That's wild. It's ridiculous. I'm really high on Matush. I'm, I'm really high on Matouche. I've got a three-unit bet, minus 180. Like I said, you could grab it yesterday. 
Um, I'm seeing a 185 over at Cloudbet, which I'm not super familiar with, but like Reese said, it's 190 most places. Yep. So somehow that isn't the best fight by a million miles on this card. Piotr Jan taking on Sugar Shono Malley at 135. Um, and Peter Jan minus 265, O'Malley plus 225. Lined opened at minus 250. Saw as high as minus like 400 and has just been tapering down ever since. Um, and is now and I mentioned that on, on the news and notes. The line movement here is weird. And I jumped on, maybe I jumped on a little too early, but I jumped on just last night. For my biggest bet in the recorded history of the show. Oh, boy. Seven and a half units on Piotr Jan at minus 250. I've long said that Piotr Jan is the best Bantamweight alive. I stand by that. The quotes that came out of the O'Malley camp and the Piotr Jan camp this week, not even about the fight, about the negotiation, have me so confident. Neither guy thought the other would accept the fight for completely obvious different reasons. Uh, O'Malley said that he was trolling. When he, when he offered it to Piotr, thinking he would never accept a number, a double-digit seed versus the number one contender in the world. And Piotr said, O'Malley's never going to fight me because I'll kick his fucking ass. <laughs> and now we've got a situation where all of these Twitch streamer fans, all of these merch buyers of Sean O'Malley, who's vocally said, I'm not here to win titles. I'm here. I'm a UFC fighter to sell merch. They're steaming the Sean O'Malley side and we're getting fight week A 400 line go to 250. Piotr Jan is going to murder him in even all these. I do see a lot of takes being like, oh, yeah, we've got Piotr Jan, who's a slow starter. He likes to get reads on his opponents for the first round and then and then figure it out from there. I mean, it was kind of true versus uh, he, he did take the first round off versus Aljo. That that's whatever. Um, Sanhagen, people are saying it's the same thing. Learn from that, though. Yeah. You know, I don't see a situation where Piotr loses two rounds in this fight. I really oh, don't. And I'll eat all these words. I expect multiple takedowns from him. I think if, there, if you've got some kind of uh, player prop or whatever on, on over-under takedowns, Piotr Jan is going to show that he is not just a boxer. And for some reason, people are thinking that he can't grapple. I usually have to sit here and defend Sean O'Malley's grappling, but it's not like your jujitsu doesn't matter when you're being ragged out. And do you all remember that first Aljo fight when Piotr was just throwing him around? That's what I expect this one to be. I really do. I hope you're right because I will also find myself sizably on the side of Piotr. Komain, Aljo. I got one, one more thing to add. Go for it, Kind of to Danny's point of Sean O'Malley, like, almost taking this fight to troll. Even in the press conferences today and yesterday, I don't remember what day, whatever. He was, like, not really even pushing it back against Jan's smack talk. Like, oh, I saw that. It, it was like, he what, Jan called him, like, a, he looks like a hooker on the street or something. And Sean's like, yeah, that was good. I got nothing for him. Yeah, like, I, it, I, It's yeah. almost like he's got one foot out of this one already. It's so the opposite of what Sean O'Malley has been. It's, I think this is the first time he's ever saw an opponent where he truly 
doesn't think he's better than. And then part of being a fighter and being at the elite level is is knowing that you can beat anyone on any good day. And Sean O'Malley is a guy I've backed a ton in the past. Really, really high level, really creative, a really sharp, really accurate, really technically impressive striker. Usually couples that with some really high output. That's a great formula, incredible formula. And I talk about his underrated uh, grappling. That seems like a perfect formula. Too bad you're fighting the best guy in your division at the, in the world. I know that this one ended in kind of a fluke, but where were you on Cheeto versus Sean O'Malley, Dan? I, I was on I, Sean O'Malley. And, I, and I, I do think that, that I, like, obviously I say a lot about this fight and I have a lot to say. I have more to say even the more that's recorded. Um, but this narrative about Sean having weak legs is weird to me. I think that Cheeto found a, like a, a perfect spot. You look at the Sukumtot fight, and it's less so that Sukumtot kicked out his legs and more so that Sean O'Malley was kicking his freaking head so much that his feet hurt. It's like, I just don't see him having weak legs, but I do see Piotr being able to take advantage wherever this fight goes. I don't disagree. I really do see this as a one-sided altercation. The only thing that I do worry about is the reach. How do you think Piotr is going to be able to stand that on the feet? I mean, there's a size. So where, where does, where does Sean uh, in reach relate to Corey Sandhagen? Because I, he had no problem. there. I'll pull it up. While Kobe does that, let's just keep going. Cause we're talking about another 135 pound fight or actually, I don't want to pivot too much. Do we know Kobe? I got reach numbers on Sandhagen. No, I don't. Go ahead. I'll pull it up later. Whatever. It's not a big deal. Aljamain Sterling, TJ Dillashaw, co-main event, 135-pound strap. Aljo, oh, not this. Oh, Aljo minus 175, Dillashaw plus 150. Aljo opened at minus 220. Somewhere along this line, Danny got a fucking incredible goddamn line. Oh, no? What's the headshot? No, 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 no. I, I, I misled y'all. I did not. There was, it was never a plus. I grabbed minus 155. Oh, okay. okay. I, I misspoke on that one episode where I thought that I had a really cool line. Nonetheless, it's still a lot Not better. On there. It's still a lot better than the minus 175 people have to pay today. Um, look, I'm on the side of Aljo. And the reason why is, is, is because I think that there is a massive buy low. I think Publix and Sharp hate Aljo. I don't know why. I mean, I do know why, but they just do. And he proved to me in the last fight out that he can hang with the best of them, no matter what. The best of the best. And when you look at the way the Sandhagen fight went, and I know it was a much younger Sandhagen, but I think Aljo is going to have a big advantage on the mat. Um, And I also think that we're talking about a guy in Dillashaw who got dropped and almost finished by um, Cody did get finished by Cejudo fast. I think we're talking about a guy that gets way more glamour than he probably deserves. I think 175 on the champ to defend is cheap. And I, I don't know if I'll pay it, but I do. I definitely will not be on the side of TJ. I think it's really tough. Um, and this is someone that already has money on the L Joe side. But I think it's tough because Dillashaw is a two-time champion. He's going for his third bantamweight champion here. Crazy well-rounded division one wrestler. On paper, a better wrestler than Aljo, even though, I mean, the eye test will show you that that's not quite true. Um, 
His footwork's phenomenal pace. He's he's really got all the tools. TJ Dillashaw, as good as they come. I do think he's kind of part of that old guard. Uh, we also don't know how long he was cheating for. We don't. People say it was just to make 125. He could and then still we, be cheating. He could still I, be cheating. I, 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 we don't need to get into But Well, the reason why I say that, though, is because, you know, like, look at how Garbrandt's aged. Look at how um, a lot of – When Garbrandt and TJ were at the top of the division, the division was something else. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is it's, it's, he's part of the old guard. He's 37 years old. He's, he yeah, came off a long layoff and showed yep. – I ha- I still have it in the tank against Corey, but then tore his knee, and now he's got another long length. It's the second one of those. He's 36 years old. He is mainly – he's mainly brought into this, this, oh, my God, look at this guy from the upset over Hedden Burrell. But in recent years, and by recent, the only recent, recent fight we have is Corey Sandhagen, which was a good performance. We know it's a good performance in the striking department. Um, but it was a split decision. And like you said, another injury on the record. Um, I, I really think Aljo gets way more hate than he deserves, and that's playing into the line. I really believe that. I truly, truly believe that. Whether that's right or wrong, I can't tell you. But I believe that we talk about how these names and personalities play such an effect on the line. And I think this is one of those where Aljo has a negative effect. I mean, I, here's what I'm saying. Aljo beat Piotr Jan. That is a, that is just what happened. I mean, I know a lot of people say, Oh no, he didn't, but he, in the most, I recent had it fight, for Piotr. Okay. But in the most recent fight, he, as far as the world is concerned, won. Okay. He is tapped out Sandy. Unanimously with, out a doubt, one, two rounds. Correct. But we're talking about a guy who's, 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 in my opinion, proven his worth without a doubt. Dillashaw is, has a lot more to prove to me because of the two-year layoff, the injury, and I, I like, I think. But two years ago, hard. speaking of the layoff, two years ago, Dillashaw would be a pretty heavy favorite. Yes, he would. But I think that – but it's not two years ago, and I think Aljo should be minus 200 or more. I really do. Yeah. I think you can play Aljo all the way up to 200. Not to mention, Reese, we're, we're in agreement here, um, but what sold it for me, what really, really hit it into high gear, you look at TJ and a lot of his success is coming off of kicks. You can't kick a guy like Aljo and expect to stay on your two feet. He's going oh. to grab one, and he's going to put you on your butt. The other thing, too, is, like, it's not like – I mean, I know we said TJ's a great wrestler, but, like, it's not like – I mean, we Piotr knows how to wrestle. And we saw what happens if Aljo takes your back. He is there. It, it, you might not get finished, but he is there. Uh, it's almost impossible to get him off. It's almost impossible to get him off. Also, I love his camp. I don't know where TJ's training nowadays. Um, but Reese I, watched him bet in and was like, Marab, Marab, Marab. Let me bet on everyone that's training with Marab. Who's a better wrestler, Marab or TJ? End of discussion. Okay. So, anyways, um, okay. I love that we see it the same. And this is where I thought we'd see the difference, but this comes to our main event Islam Makachev taking on Charles Dubronx Oliveira. I'm sad I played my hand. Underratedly, only 32 years old. 
Islam sits at minus 190 over on DraftKings, 175 everywhere else, uh, and 180 in a couple of places. Uh, plus 160 on the other side for Charles Dubronx. So the reason I just made that face, Reese, is because I just hit refresh on my fightodds.io page. Yeah. Have you all ever heard of SIA? No. It's a book. I think we need to place our lock right now because they're placing Islam at minus 150 as of a minute ago. Yeah, can I please have that for whatever it's worth? But, like, look, I mean, this opened at minus 300, saw as high as minus 400, has come down. Um, people are loving, loving, loving uh, Charles. I mean, he's for good out. reason. For good, can we, can we, for good reason. First, I want to restart. I, I want to restart. Before anyone finds out that we like the Makachev side, we do. They know. Let's compliment Charles Oliveira a bunch. Charles yeah. Oliveira. One of the He's best a great champ. And great champ. Most exciting fighters on the roster. Here's what most I'm submissions saying. in the UFC. Most finishes in the division. Here's what I'm saying, and this is important to say. I did everything I possibly could, everything to find myself on the op on, on Charles Oliveira. I I tried to look for ins and outs. I tried to see. I looked everywhere I could outside of a round one finish round one KOTKO. I don't know how Dubronx gets it done. I don't. And I know that the submissions is what all the diehards are talking about. And that's fair. However, you're looking at a guy who in Islam, who stylistically Will I know James Krause was talking about how the the wrestling entries in that Dagestani part of the world makes it a lot harder to grab for guillotines. Um, I don't know much. I, I I trust James Krause knows who he's talking about in that regard. But what I noticed the most is Islam's ability to to just wear people down and just maul them. And I think that Dubronx, if he spends time in his guard, I think it's going to be a long night at the office for him. I think that he's a guy who I love him. He's one of my favorite champs, if not my favorite. But I think that this is kind of the fight. When you look at even like Chandler, Poirier, Gaethje, this is the guy here who will push the wrestling pace. The guy here who will... I don't know. I, I just don't see how Charles gets it done. I don't, and I hate saying that. I just pulled my Dubronx glove off the shelf. I'm a big fan of his, as you know, but I'm right there with you. I mean, it, it's just the what sent it over for me is noticing those fights you mentioned, the Poirier, the Chandler, the Gaethje fights, super impressive fights for Charles Oliveira. Yep. What stuck out to me was in each and every Mo or in each every in each and every one of those fights, there's a moment where Charles gets hurt. Yep. Charles is on his back, kind of inviting his opponent into his guard, and his opponent knows better. His opponent says, No, sir, I, I don't really want anything to do with your jujitsu. Let's get back up on our feet. I just hurt you there. Let, let's run this back. And that's their issues. They give him the chance to recover. They give him the chance to catch, to, to get his bearings, and he comes back stronger. Islam's the first guy that he's faced, maybe since Kevin Lee, that is going to be willing and 
excited about getting into a grappling competition with Charles Oliveira that is going to be taking him down each and every round, inviting that guard play, knowing he's going to get the better, knowing he's a step ahead, like you said. And I think that that's really, really important. And, and even if Charles Oliveira is this perfect jujitsu fighter and Islam is a perfect wrestling fighter, the wrestler's going to win with the top pressure. That's the, that's the stupidity about MMA judging, but that's just the fact. And is Islam the next Khabib? We won't know. We, we really, we, we don't know. We will learn a lot on Saturday. Javier Mendez, their coach, seems to think he's better. I'm not, I'm not ready to say that. I'm not even close, but I think we're going to learn a whole lot on Saturday. Uh, even though Charles has had the level of competition, the, the experience, the strength, the schedule, all the stuff that we like to, to tout on is on the Chucky Olive, is on the Dubronx side. And there are sometimes just these special talents. Dan, see if uh, Manprint will let us take that 150. Um, he, he says the fightoz.io. This was not on here when we started recording. I'm going to be honest. I've been looking at this all day. I think we locked that in, man. I really do. One other play that I'm uh, interested in in touting for our listeners is... Really quickly, really quickly, before you do it, let's just do this. So that closes the recap, or not the recap, that closes the breakdown for us. Dan, just run through your whole slate. Just give a quick... I got reach numbers real quick. By the way, on um, Sugar, 72-inch reach, Sandhagen, 70. Okay. Okay. So yeah, longer... I do also think O'Malley. We're the same height, though, right? I, well, I think, I do okay. think O'Malley uses it a little differently, though. Um, he, he's a, he's better at being at range, in my opinion. But that's not here nor there. Piotr's going to stop him. It was just my um, one. It was just my one thing that made me wonder. But so Dan, so the last can... play I have on that last play is uh, a play that I have placed on my bet MMA tips page already. It's the Oliveira Makachev starts round three, so that's over two point I know that that yeah. gets a little weird to the 1.5, 2.5, the over 2.0 plus 105. And it's along the same lines of I expect Makachev to be the guy that gets his stuff off. I expect them to fight for 10 minutes. And uh, plus number on that I like. So my card is starts with Mohamed Makayev under two and a half uh, with, with Malcolm Gordon. That's even money plus 100 okay. that for one unit. Bilal Muhammad plus 120 a unit and a half. Matus Gamrot minus 180, 3x. Love that. The prop Jan by decision, one plus 110, 1x. 7.5x on the minus 250, Jan. Aljo minus 155, 3x. 1x on the Oliveira Makachev starts round three, the over 2.0. And I think 1x on the Makachev minus 170. I haven't placed that one yet, but the more I talk about it, the more I like it. I love it. Um, I got uh, one unit. It's it's to win one unit on uh, uh, Muhammad Makayev in the distance. I have... Um, uh, I... I haven't finalized it yet, but I think I'm going to have a half unit on Muradov. Um, I am going to have risk two units. 
Fitz on uh, Mateus Gamrat. I'm going to have um, Risk two units on Aljamain Sterling. I'm going to have Risk four units, five, Risk five units on Islam Makachev. And then I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do with Piotr yet. I don't know what I'm going to do with Piotr yet. Or I'm with every other one of your plays. Come down, so. Okay. There's a there's a Petrosian Mokayev parlay at minus 162. I'm kind of looking at, but it's not something I have placed. Okay. I have Petrosian with Jan. I like okay. That. That's a good one too. Uh anything else, Country Club, you got? Just can't wait for this week. I'm stoked. Yeah. It's impo- it's 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 a great time to be an MMA fan. Just I'm just there, there's just a handful of these that I'm just disappointed aren't five round main events on their own, but that's I wish all these fights were five rounds. Right. Have it that way. Speaking um, of which, I really wish that Whitaker Costa fight was five rounds. Yeah, that would make Whitaker. Whitaker would be even heavier. Than he Damn, geez. All right. Who wants to sign us off? One, two, three, not me. Dan, run it. I mean, I'm as juiced as they come. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.